My mantra is change one life every day for the rest of your life. And when you wake up and that's like, literally I wake up, that's all I got to do. All I got to do is change one life every day for the rest of my life. It might be on stage. It might be at a 7-Eleven and the lady behind the counter is having a bad day. And I tell her she has pretty earrings in, right? I've changed her life in that moment. Um, and when you simplify life, life just becomes more fantastic. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey here with you, just as we are each and every week. And last week, we had a short, um, and this week, we're right back at it with an amazing guest. And I just absolutely cannot wait. This has been a long time coming, where we have been working to try and get Dom Fawcett on the None of Your Business podcast. I think I got sick. He got sick. I don't it's think been, you got sick because you never get sick. get sick. I was the one holding it all together. So <laughs> but this is going to be super exciting because, you know, somebody that has their pulse on um, sort of the mindset of the American entrepreneur. That's kind of what I, I want to dive into today. Um, and that is um, Dom Fawcett. You can reach him at domfawcett.com. Let's bring him on, James. Hey, Dom, welcome to the program. Good morning. How how are you two? It feels like it's been a long time since the last time we all spoke. Well, absolutely. Well, the last time that I saw you, you were decked out in your in your motorcycle riding leather jacket, had your helmet. I didn't get to see the bike because, like I said, I had food poisoning. I was right. like just trapped on the couch. But one of the things I loved about that is that you spoke about just being your authentic self, just showing up and commanding a presence in the room and not just the room, but with the people that you're working with. Let's start off there. Um, who is Dom Falset? Give us your red and black motorcycle leather jacket <laughs> intro to this podcast. So, so for, for, for those of you that are stuck in like the happy days age and you think motorcycle and leather jacket, let me just repaint that picture, if yeah. you will. Um, my wife and I uh, race or track Ducatis and the jacket he's referring to is a it's equivalent to a race leather jacket. It's red. And, you know, we talk about command presence. It, it, everything I do is intentional. Um, I knew that I would be showing up to an event and my Ducati is very loud. So pulling up and not to be disruptive, disruptive to an event, but to disrupt. Right. Um, I showed up. I had my helmet in my hand, red leather jacket, Ducati on the back which most people somewhat know of the brand and it's up there with, as they say, Ferrari of motorcycles. Um, and Steve is Steve Sims is how we, we all met. He's into Ducatis. Uh, so when I showed up and truth be told, I was maybe running a little bit late and I always try to beat my map quest time. So I, or maps, not map quest. I'm showing my age. Uh, so when I walked in, I walked in quiet, but I was, there was no secret that I was there. So that was the, I was talking about uh, becoming the obvious choice, talking to your audience and um, finding ways to engage command presence. So I figured if I'm talking about it, I got to be about it. 
That's how all that got started. I'm trying to recall. I was just telling Sean while you were telling that story. I think I was speaking. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that. I love that clarification to disrupt, but not not to be be disruptive. That's that's a really good point. And I think that that's exactly what you did because there was a there was a moment where people were going, "What? What is going on? Like, who's about to walk in?" And so it was very. It made a great first impression. Number one, I was like, "Now who is that? I've got to get to know him because." You and I got to know each other a little bit, and you know that I have a love for racing and um, adrenaline and um, all of those things. In fact, you almost talked me into buying a Tesla. Um, <laughs> I think I came back, and Sean was still sick, and I was trying to get him to buy a Tesla when I <laughs> left the dinner with you. But um, I think that that was a really important impression that you made upon people because the way that you commanded that energy and that presence when you walked in again you're right it wasn't disruptive but people kind of said to themselves i really want to hear what he has to say and i think that a lot of people and especially as entrepreneurs that's what we're always looking to accomplish is how do i command a presence where people say i want to i want to listen to that message and so tell us a little bit more too like where did you learn to do that because you have a very strong message which we're going to talk about mm-hmm. but tips for people that are really trying to step into that that want their message heard but Dom I'm, I'm going to just oh. give you the answer because every we, everybody that watches or listens to this show we always say for every single guest I know what they think oh that's because you're Dom Falset oh. you just were you were born that way you have it you mm-hmm. you're right. I well so talk to the people like me how can I learn to be more like you? There and I'm I'm glad you brought up that last bit because a lot of people think that like I'm a professional speaker I'm a radio show host um, I I've tried launching a TV show several times I have so much like the garbage content it'll I'll I'll land it one day but I'm bringing that up because we're gonna I'm gonna talk about effective communication when people see me speak on stage or see me on Fox or CBS or NBC there's this man he's so polished he's so good he must have been always been able to do this thing. I can't be like that. What they don't know is I saw a speech therapist from first grade all the way to my junior year of high school um, twice a week because I stuttered. I stuttered so bad that I couldn't say my name. And then in my senior year, I still stuttered. And even now I stutter. I don't stammer. I stutter. I have a stutter when I talk. So speaking for me, I look at it as something that I finally been able to be blessed to have the ability to to, to talk, like I've studied speaking um, just because it was very important to me, right? And it's not even speaking. So the how would be, my whole life has been of service. I'm a firstborn, I have three other siblings. I've served them um, on a very minute scale compared to other things. Then I joined the military, that service. Then I became a cop, that service, right? Serve and protect, um, no matter, that's what I did. I can't speak for how society sees or views police officers. And and even now, as an executive coach and a, a speaker, I, I serve. Um, I call that good work. And being able to do that has landed me in a position to be a co-founder of a medical facility. So my speaking and coaching is good work. The medical facility is what I call God's work. But when you are known for a thing and you know what you stand for, um, I don't talk about race, religion, sports and politics on any of my platforms. Right. My brand is think, react, lead, which is think as an executive, react like a soldier and lead in everything that you do. And when you stay 
aligned with who you are supposed to be. Um, and you, uh, you have a mantra that you live by. My mantra is change one life every day for the rest of your life. And when you wake up and that's like, literally I wake up, that's all I got to do. All I got to do is change one life every day for the rest of my life. It might be on stage. It might be at a 7-Eleven and the lady behind the counter is having a bad day. And I tell her she has pretty earrings in, right? I've changed her life in that moment. Um, and when you simplify life, life just becomes more fantastic. I love this idea of um, what you stand for. That's something that actually we talk about a lot is that people need to really work on their stand for statement because people will get behind what you stand for. They don't necessarily get behind like why you're doing it. The why is for you, right? Mm -hmm. If we're talking about the why is your family or the why is to create a better lifestyle for yourself or to be able to do certain things, that's something that's for you. That's not for others. But what you stand for that's something that people can get behind. And I know that you talk a lot about becoming the obvious choice, yeah. right? And so mm -hmm. in my interpretation of this, I would think that becoming the obvious choice also comes from you having a solid foundation mm -hmm. understanding of what you stand for and being able to deliver that message. So can you unpack that a little bit? Like what that means to be the obvious choice and how people can apply that? So it, it, it started with me wanting to spread a message, me wanting to be known. Entrepreneur, entrepreneurs today, they, it, it, in my experience, um, they, they try to be their future self in the moment and they get lost. I just try to be myself in that moment for that day, right? If I say something today that I may not agree with four years from now, that's fine. That just means I've grown. So just to be myself, uh, becoming the obvious choice. For example, I knew that I wanted to be a speaker. The reason I wanted to be a speaker, I've been in leadership development in the corporate space for 14 years. And I had a, a, some speaker came in and, at the bank that I worked for and I saw the check. She got paid 10 grand to speak for an hour. Now, I knew nothing about the industry. I just assumed, as most corporate people do, work 40 hours a week. So I'm thinking, if I can speak one hour a day, five days a week, that's 50 grand a week. Multiply that by your average month of four weeks. I can make 200 grand. I was like, I want to be a speaker. That's how ignorant I was to the space. So immediately I jumped into doing videos on my phone. I was like, I'll just do 60 second videos. At the time I had a team of, of 21, 22 uh, people. And I just, did, I just did leadership videos. And becoming the obvious choice for me, what meant people needed to know my name, they, my first and last name, they needed to know my business and what it was that I did. So all of my videos started with welcome to Think, React, Lead. My name is Dom Fawcett, your executive coach and leadership speaker. And I, I learned that piece. So I'm into motorcycles. There's a company called Revzilla where you buy a bunch of motorcycle equipment from. And this guy did videos every day. And he, entered, he welcomed you into his company, gave you his name and told you what it was he was going to talk about. And that was the easiest thing that I did. And I realized, I said, you know what? I want to have a thousand videos in the next 12 months, which meant two to three videos a day, Monday through Sunday. Um, did I always want to do it? No, but I knew what the end goal was. So I had micro goals. My micro goals were to do three videos a day, one at, at seven in the morning, one at noon and one at like 3 p.m. This is that was kind of the way things flowed in the Instagram world four or five years ago. And by the before the year ended up, I had a thousand videos. And I knew once I had a thousand videos, people might see 
17 of them, right? Maybe they'll see 20 of them, but I needed to get my name out there and I needed to get comfortable with my message. So many people have a message inside their head and they think it's going to be perfected, but they don't know what it feels like to themselves until it comes out of their mouth. That, like anybody can have thoughts and ideas. Everybody doesn't implement them or vocalize them. Yeah, that's tough. You know, it, so much there for me listening to that. Um, one, most people don't, you know, you, you, you jump on a video and you don't know what to say, right? So I love that unpacking this front side, mm -hmm. know my name, know what I do, know who I do it for, like, you know, get, get, un, beginning to unpack that and being consistent with that. Mm -hmm. Next though, Dom, um, it feels like as you talk through this, that you just decided that you were going to do it and you were like, yeah, I'm going to do a thousand videos in a year. A lot of people can say that. I mean, tons of people watching, but then, the then yeah. something happens in their head. Then they're looking at it and they're like, my hair's not right. Or that's not going to do it. Or I'll just do one video today yeah. instead yeah. of three. Talk, right? talk to us about that issue. I mean, I know that you also work with people and help them to overcome their own stinking thinking. How do you, how can somebody actually do that? Because for you, it seems like it came natural, but for most people, not so much. I wouldn't say, well, yeah, outside looking in, right? Oh, that's just natural. It's easy for him to do. When I have a thought, I just do it. And, and some of my thoughts are pretty stupid. Like uh, four weeks ago, I had the luxury of having the afternoon free. Like from noon on, I was free. And I knew this the day before. So I'm like, what am I going to do with my afternoon? And I was like, you know what? I want to do something fun. So I Googled skydiving, typed in skydiving. And I was like, I want to get skydive certified. What do I need to do? Called yes. the place up and I was like, what do I need to do to get skydive certified? They said, well, you got to, you have to do a tandem first. I said, okay, when's the next tandem? They're like, it's tomorrow or it's a month out from there. I'm like, well, okay, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. The next day. So less than 24 hours later, I'm jumping out of a plane. They sent me the pictures. I sent, my wife didn't even know. I sent the pictures to my wife. She calls me out of the middle of me. She's like, uh, what just, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know, babe. Yesterday I needed to have, have fun. And I decided skydiving would be the thing to do. She's like, you didn't Wait, want to I'm tell surprised me. she didn't say, why didn't you take me? I feel like she would go. Oh, she, yes, she races motorcycles, but everything's on the ground. She's not about scuba diving or skydiving. Like those are not, and I do, I do both. But I didn't want her to talk me out of it. Or, right. and she wouldn't, but she went, ooh, that sounds dangerous. Now, granted, the, the hour and a half it took me to get there, and, I, and I'm getting somewhere with this. The hour and a half it took me to get to the drop zone. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is... This is dumb. And I said to myself, you're going to jump out of a perfectly good plane. And a lot of people say that. But what happens is the plane that you get into to skydive outside of the military, so civilian base, it's not a perfectly good plane. But people don't know this unless you've done it. So back to the videos, many of you watching, not YouTube, not the, not the lovely couple, but many of you watching, you've got this thousand dollar piece of technology that is freaking the future of everything. But and you have videos in your phone that you've done, but you refuse to post. This is why you do the video and all of the sudden all your imperfections in your head start to play. Oh, my gosh, my double chin. Well, you eat hamburgers and donuts. You're going to have a double chin. Right. If you don't like it, like do something about it or my hair. Nobody's really paying attention to that because people today are hurting and they just want to hear a good message. There's no such thing as a perfect message. I've done radio, TV. I've done it all. 
I don't rewatch, re-listen to, review any of my content I do. I say it, I post it. And guess what? Out of the thousands of videos I've done, which I filled up like eight megabytes uh, or one of the big bytes of a uh, big hard drive, um, one person has made a negative comment. And his negative comment was, you're an ex-cop. Why are you not wearing your seatbelt in your truck? Thousands of videos. That's the one negative comment. Nobody's commented on my lack of hair, or sometimes the bags under my eyes, or the fact that I stutter, or I might have a pregnant pause. No, nope. They just want to hear something of value. People comment on my stuff all the time. <laughs> I, I, I got I to get better, Dom. I need some coaching because they say crazy stuff. Um, they comment on your outfits. Yes, they don't like how I dress. <laughs> okay, ma'am. Okay, like, like I tell my wife, we're grown men. We don't wear outfits. I hate when my wife says, look at your outfit. No, outfits snap in the middle of your legs for babies. <laughs> and they're made by granimals. We don't wear outfits. <laughs> I wear outfits. That's awesome. It's a snap, too. Women wear bodysuits yeah. now. So yeah, you're a lady. You're allowed to have outfits. I digress. Dom, let's let's dive in deep because I want to take advantage of um, your experience. Um, you work yeah. with not just entrepreneurs, but with leadership, individuals in leadership all across America. You also are exposed through media to all kinds of questions, scenarios. You have to stay up on all kinds of topics. In your mm -hmm. mind, what is the number one leadership issue that is facing America today? Self-doubt and relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say self-doubt, so when I first got into speaking, probably like most young or not young, but people that grew up in the inner city grew up rough. They, they have a little bit of success. They want to start speaking. They go to the easy crowd. The easy crowd are high school students, right? And you go to high school students. I don't have a degree. And I, I don't have what society says it takes to be in the position in my life that I'm in. But that was a self-limiting belief. I'm just going to talk to high schools. But the more I did, by the time I did like two, 3,000 videos, I realized the audience I was attracting were executives, um, were CEOs. Um, I've had clients that were Green Berets, that were Navy SEALs. Let me stop lying. I've had one Navy SEAL client. But... I, I've had like tip of the spear type of people that I've coached and what it boiled down to were two things, relationship issues at home and at work. And I'm pretty open, just like you guys are about my relationship. And that, that draws people in. I do it for fun because I like just having my wife on camera. She makes me look good. And, and so I'm sure you can relate to that. But the other aspect of it is the self-doubt. Like so many people, I have a client now, a doctor, and they're, they're, they're structured in a syllabus way of living, a syllabus way of learning. Read the syllabus, apply the syllabus information, get an A, B, the A or B grade validates me. I go into this world, I'm a doctor, and this is how I present myself. But they forget how to have fun. They don't know truly who they are because they've been positioned or, or, or cultured or cultivated to be this polished individual, but they're no longer excited about it. So my clients are typically in their mid thirties, mid fifties. That's the range. And the self doubt is, wow, I was 20 one day, a week later, I'm 40. What do I do next? And one of the questions I asked is what is, 
what do you do for fun? As soon as I get on the phone with somebody, what do you do for fun? And so many people just take themselves so serious, they don't know who to be. And you, um, Lacey, you mentioned authenticity. They don't know what authenticity is because they've been robotic for the last two decades. Yeah, it's interesting because I keep hearing you talk about this idea of self-doubt. And one of the lines that I have been thinking on a lot lately is um, it takes self-work to create self-worth. And I think so many people get stuck. Like they know that they're, they're not living out to their fullest potential, but because they're in this negative doubt cycle, they can't even see that there's a way out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you said one of the ways to recognize that is that you don't know what the next step is. You look back and you go, man, I was 20 and now I'm 41. And I'm like, (laughs) what do I do next? So what other things have you seen that kind of trigger people to say, I want something more. I need to do more work. Cause I think that's helpful for people to know, like, man, I've been thinking that maybe I should take action. You know what? That's a wonderful question. Um, and instead of me putting my response on somebody else, I'm going to utilize myself. Perfect. Uh, I started coaching while I was struggling with PTSD. I started coaching while I was having night terrors at home and getting two or three hours of sleep, um, afraid to sleep in the same bed with my wife because I didn't want to have a night terror where I would strangle her out. These are conversations we've had. And I, want, I would try going to the VA. I'd get to the VA. The VA, for anybody who doesn't know, is a hospital for veterans. It's called Veteran Affairs. And I would walk to the door. The door would open and I would see this big old long hallway and I would turn around. And I did that off and on seven times over the last 10 years. Until one day, and I had been like, I'm coaching, like I'm, I'm on stage. And it's not like, I, it's not that I wasn't being authentic. I was being who I thought I needed or all, all I knew to be up to this point in my life. I was being that individual. <clears throat> well, COVID hit and things got slow. So I had a lot of quiet time. Um, and one day my wife just looks at me. I picked her up for lunch, dropped her off. And she says, babe, are you okay? I said, I'm fine. And she said, you look violent. I said, okay. And what was crazy is she brought it up, but like two days prior to that moment, we were in St. Martin on a beach, on a private beach, eating lobster, like on the sand, crystal clear waters, the waves crashing in. And as I was sitting there, we had just closed on our largest home we've ever purchased together. All of the, I just bought my Porsche 911 Turbo. I've sold it since then, but all of these wonderful things. And I couldn't feel any of it. I couldn't feel happy for the home that we purchased. And I grew up section eight, so I should have been happy. I couldn't feel happy for being on this wonderful vacation. First time we ever flew first class. It was not always cracked up to be, but it was the first time, like all of these, these accomplishments that I've worked so hard for my wife's worked so hard for, and I'm sitting on the beach. I couldn't feel it. And I come back and the question on the whole plane ride back is, Dom, like, why aren't you happy? And I literally couldn't answer the question. And then when my wife asked me that question, I said, I'm fine. I dropped her off and I'm driving back home and I crack, I break down. And it's like all of the negative things that brought me to having PTSD and all of the negative things I've done and the things that I've seen and the people and all the hurt and the pain, it all like was crushing me. And I couldn't breathe. Like I'm driving back home. I couldn't breathe. 
And as I'm about to exit the freeway to go back home, something says, you said, Dominic, you need to get to the VA. You need help. And I don't like, I don't know, was God talking to me? My common sense self talking to me? I don't know what it was, but I'm in this lifted Jeep and I don't care, you know, they don't go fast. So I'm going as fast as I can. And I get to the VA and the guy, you know, this happy guy that greets everybody at the door to hand you the mask and point you where you need to go. He said, sir, how can I help you? And I just looked at him. I said, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to see you tomorrow. And he grabs me by my arm, walks me down the long hallway. I never wanted to go down. And then I'm sitting down like minutes later talking to a shrink or a psychiatrist, no disrespect to anybody who's in that field. And that was the start um, to what is called EMDR, eye movement desensitization response, I think is what EMDR, EMDR is. And ever since then, I've, I mean, it took me nine months of EMDR, three months of IPT, interpersonal therapy. Now, granted, I'm still speaking and coaching while I'm doing this, right? Because I'm, 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 I'm growing. Like, I'm not supposed to be perfect. I'm just supposed to be proficient. So I'm doing all this work on myself. My wife notices now that I'm happy. My son, my daughter notice I'm happy. Like I skydiving, working on getting certified there. I'm still racing, motor, tracking motorcycles, bought a dirt bike. Like now I'm having fun. But again, just like you said, Lacey, we have to do the work. And most, I wouldn't want to do what I did over again, but I took the steps in the right direction and I'm better for it. Well, that's an extremely uh, touching and impressive story. And thank you for sharing that with, with us and with all of our listeners. Um, I hope that people will be truly inspired by that. Um, because I think that too, a lot of it is, you know, you see these, these things, this is the sign that you've been looking for, mm -hmm. right? And, and so many of us are just waiting like, well, let me, let me just wait until, let me, let me, figure out, maybe I'll get a sign. And like you said, I don't even know, was it my common sense? Was it God speaking to me? But the thing is, is once again, you decided to take action. You could have had the thought that, well, I need to go to the VA. And then you could have been like, well, that's, that's, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go right. down that long haul. Um, but you did. Um, and, you know, and you talked about that self-doubt is you know, one of the crises that leadership faces in America today. Um, that's a true testament that, I mean, at least prior to that, prior to doing that work, you at least had the in, internal fortitude to recognize that something was wrong. And two, yeah. just choose something. Like, you didn't know if that was going to work. You didn't know. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> I got to say, too, what I think super powerful about the story is, like, I feel like we've all been there. Like, when you were saying that, mm -hmm. I'm replaying moments and experiences in my life where I felt that exact same way, where you're showing up for people, you're in this place of service, you're coaching mm -hmm. them on things to do that they can take action on to change their right. own lives. And you tell yourself this story, but I'm supposed to be this way. I'm supposed to feel this way. I'm supposed to be perfect if I'm giving this advice or helping others. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, and most people, because they say I'm supposed to be, they never fully recognize that they aren't. Right. And then they can't take action. And I feel like you're supposed to be, but if you aren't, the great thing is that you can. And like, that's what I love is that you were like, I'm not in that space right now, the way that I'm supposed to be, I can be. So I need to go, I need to make a move. And I feel like so many people don't have that transition. So I think that's really powerful. 
I definitely know I've been there before. One of the things I was thinking as you were sharing, Dom, is is you said you weren't happy. Um, right. For you, what, what does that mean? I mean, because I think a lot of people might have said at that moment, like you, you know, just that thought causes everybody to reevaluate. Everybody, everybody, I hope was like, "Am I happy? Am I happy? Yeah." What does that mean to be happy? You know what's crazy, and and, and I'm, I didn't mention it in the story, didn't think about it, but you spawned the thought when I I'm literally talking to this shrink, and ironically enough, she also rides a motorcycle, which I mean, just cool chick. And, I, and she said, what's wrong? I said, I just feel great. I don't feel, I don't feel happy. And she just leaned back because we had already had a little bit of conversation and she knew like I wasn't a threat to myself. I wasn't a threat to anybody else. I just had these, these thoughts, right? And she said, you do realize that like, it's not natural to be happy all of the time. I said, what? It's not natural to be happy? But I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, and I told her this, I'm so glad you told me that because everything even strong people look at social media like, man, people are just all, everybody's happy. But you're not, so, you, like, you're not supposed to be happy all of the time. You have moments of happiness, right? There's momentary happiness. But, you know, if you run a business, if you're self-employed, you know, clients don't pay you or you stub your toe or you have a, a riff with your children. Like, you're not going to be happy all of the time. And when she told me that, it almost gave me freedom just to be okay with not being happy. And I just told her I didn't want to take any drugs. I just want to have a better understanding of self. So as I went through this EMDR, uh, the therapy, if you will, and I had a much better understanding of self. But the moment a person feels like they're not happy or they, they lack the ability to make decisions or um, they're, they feel in, in, inadequate, it's not depression. What it is is the, like everything around you, your world, your spirit being, whatever you think it is, is telling you that it's time to move on to something bigger. You're playing too small. Of a year's worth of being developed professionally in the hospital, like I wasn't in the hospital for a year, let's tone that down. I was just going to appointments. Um, I realized, you know what? I was playing too small. My prices were too small for my coaching. My, my saying yes to all the free speaking engagements, too small. My sticking true to, or sticking to what I thought was my client avatar, way too small. The way I was living was too small. So just like a crab when it grows or an octopus when it grows, they have to change their 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 external environment. And the external environment is for me were my clients, the stages, you know, who I allowed in my life, not reevaluating my, my my business relationships. I was playing too small. So I was feeling tight, 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 tight. So it felt like depression. It felt like anxiety. It wasn't. I mean, that's what they call it. But what it was is I was playing too small and the world was like, Dom, like we're ready to, for you to sh come out of farm league and it's time for you to come to major league baseball and swing that bat because you have home runs inside of you. And that's for everybody watching this. Home run there. Home run. Who you got in, who you got in the World Series this year? Bro, I don't. You know, if it doesn't have wheels, I don't watch it. You just said, you're just talking about playing in Major League Baseball. <laughs> well, I know the titles. I but we're that's it. Like if you wouldn't have asked that question, everybody thought I knew everything about baseball. Thanks that's for right. calling out. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's all right. We we now we now are clear clear though that you were not actually in the hospital for a whole year. So that was a perception. I don't want that perception on me like he is crazy no i would I, I was able to leave on my own recognizance <laughs> last thing that i have for you dom is um obviously you learn from your life experience and i think that hearing your story so many people are inspired um and what happens is this is natural calling for some people they're listening to this and they're like 
who is this guy? How do I, how do I find and this guy? How, how, what do you do for people like me? Um, obviously, you know, you had made reference, like going to the hospital. So it's not a clinical application, but at, you mentioned some of the types of people that you work with. Um, how is the process when somebody engages with you? What do you help them do? And what does that process look like? I do three things. I help them become the obvious choice, engage command presence, and have better effective communication with themselves and better effective communication from the people in their home or with the people in their home to their boardroom. And people follow, they just access me. I give my phone number out all the time, and but I'm on Instagram. I'm on every social media platform, primarily Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, but they just reach out to me. I've, I feel that I've been blessed, um, but nowadays folks, and I'm not talking to you, your audience, it's so easy to stand out if you're just real. Like if you just like when I have a problem, I talk about it after it's been rectified. Right. Because there has to be a lesson learned. And I've had so many people come to me and say, Dom, you know, I've been following you for four or five years, but it feels like I know you. Like I invite people into my world. They know my son. They know my wife. They know my dogs. And the process is different for everybody because everybody needs different things or they think they need something, but inadvertently they need something else. And I always tell people, you can't, you have no business leading in the world. If at first you can't lead behind your doorknob. So it might be being a better father, being a better husband, a better spouse, right? All of these things, which equates to being a better person outside of the world, but it starts with you. And the you that I'm talking about is bridging the gap between your mind and your heart. That's really what I do. I help people bridge the gap between their mind and their heart to become a better self for self. Dom Fawcett, F-A-U-S-S-E-T-T-E. Is that right? Did I get that? Nailed it. Dom Fawcett.com. We'll put it in the link because people are like, wait, 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 wait. Two S's. Right. What? Two S's. No. And. And on all social media platforms, I can attest, put great, amazing content. I love watching your stuff. Dom is super inspirational to me as, as, a, as a male leader in the world to see how you navigate your relationship with your wife and with, with family. And then also to, to cheer you on all of the amazing accomplishments. It's, it's amazing. Uh, like you had said, relationships, the people that you have managed to surround yourself with truly truly inspiring um plus that if you just are flipping through the channels you got a chance to catch him um he's on tv all the time because he's a noted expert um as you can tell because he has put some time into um understanding his craft not just mm -hmm. speaking because a lot of people could speak but say a bunch of nonsense <laughs> to so actually, <laughs> actually deliver valuable content <laughs> in a way that's soothing to the soul dom mm -hmm. thank you so much for being with us Thank you for the invite. I greatly appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Anything else? No. All right, everybody. We'll be back again next week with a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast. We look forward to seeing you then.